Hey there, friend. Listen, I want to invite you to join me for an upcoming presentation I'm offering called How to Shift from Willpower to Want Power. If you're tired of feeling like you have the best of intentions with food and weight, only to have it all fall by the wayside by the time your head hits the pillow at night, then this is for you. If you're interested in making permanent weight loss easier and less of a struggle, then this is for you. If you're curious what want power is, which you probably should be, and can't wait to learn how to incorporate it into your journey toward peace and freedom around food, then this is for you. I'll be presenting live twice on Wednesday, May 1st, 2024, at both noon and 7.30 p.m. Central Time Zone. I'll answer your questions live and we'll have a really good time together. But if you can't make either of those days, I'm not going to make you get a replay emailed into your inbox only for it to get lost and never be watched no matter how deeply you want to make time to go through it. Because I mean, honestly, who are we kidding? (laughs) We've all done this, including me. No, instead, we are offering multiple watch parties for several days after the live presentation. So come watch the replay with other doctors and interact in the chat with them and my team. So either way, whether you come live or to a watch party, it will be worth your time for sure. All you have to do is register at katrinaubellmd.com forward slash want power. That's katrinaubellmd.com forward slash w-a-n-t-p-o-w-e-r. See you there. You are listening to the Weight Loss for Busy Physicians podcast with Katrina Ubell, MD, episode number 272. Welcome to the Weight Loss for Busy Physicians podcast. I'm your host, Master Certified Life and Weight Loss Coach, Katrina Ubell, MD. This is the podcast where busy doctors like you come to learn how to lose weight for the last time by harnessing the power of your mind. If you're looking to overcome your stress eating and exhaustion and move into freedom around food, you're in the right place. Well, hello there, my friend. How are you today? So glad to be talking to you today and actually talking to you. After 272 episodes, I still go through the process every single time I record of doing a little test recording to make sure that everything sounds good before I do the whole thing. And of course, this is just a little introduction before we get into our interview, client success story today. But I was doing my little recording and I went back and there was nothing. And I was like, what was it? And microphone was off. So there you go. Thanking myself, big pat on the back to myself for not recording this whole entire thing and then realizing (laughs) that it wasn't working. I've actually heard of other podcasters having that where they record, you know, maybe a whole 20 or 30 minute episode and then go back to find out that like the mic wasn't working or wasn't plugged in or was off or whatever. And, you know, we can work through that and it's okay, but it's still not what you want to hear or see ever. (laughs) So anyway... I am super excited for today's episode. Ah, it's so good. So inspirational. I had the best time talking to my guest. So I can't wait for you to hear my interview with Andrea. She is a nephrologist. She's up in Canada 
in Winnipeg. She'll tell you more about that. And she's a mom to little kids and is just really so inspirational. I know our team was just so, you know, our team of coaches, we were all so excited for her when she got to her goal weight. And she's just, she's just incredible. <laughs> she has a great story. And I learned a ton from her as well. Like she had some really great tips and and thoughts and ideas that I, I, I you know, I'm always open to learning more and hearing from other people's experiences. And I know that you'll get so much out of this as well. So if you are thinking about losing weight or you're like, yeah, these things in this podcast are resonating, or maybe this is just your first episode that you're even listening to, just you know, think about how what she talks about might apply to you as well and how you might be able to kind of borrow from her success because success leaves clues, right? Like borrow from her success and apply something to your life. There's just so many gems in here. I won't even get into them all right now because you'll hear them throughout the episode, but they're really, really awesome. And I know that you're going to get so much out of this episode. So please enjoy Andrea Maserat. Andrea, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I'm so glad that you're here. And I'm so excited to be here today. Awesome. Okay. I always like to start off with asking you if you could just introduce yourself, tell us who you are, what you do, and that kind of thing. Yes. So my name is Andrea Mavrat. I'm a nephrologist uh, working in Winnipeg, Canada. I'm an assistant professor. I'm the medical director of our in-center dialysis program. I have two amazing children that are three and a half and seven months old and a wonderful husband. And that's me. Awesome. Awesome. So fun. We love our Canadians. <laughs> so good. Okay. Give me a little bit of the synopsis of like your history with food and weight loss, you know, just sort of what brought you to the point where you decided to explore life coaching as an option for weight loss. Yeah, I, I think I've been conscious of my weight since I was quite young. I was always tall for my age and I was a swimmer. So I had broad shoulders, very muscular, are very muscular. And I was always bigger than the other kids. And so very early on, I sort of knew or felt different, but not until about high school when I stopped swimming that I started to put on weight and it bothered me. And then when I went to university, I was over 200 pounds. And that was the first time I decided to actually do something about it. I joined Weight Watchers, as a lot of people do. And I was... uh, (laughs) Me too. (laughs) (laughs) And I was successful in that I lost weight, but it was not an easy process. I did not enjoy it. And although I followed the letter of the the program, I didn't follow the spirit. So I would be hungry all day, saving up my points, save it up for dinner, eat a huge dinner, even to the point of being, you know, I was full and then still having points that I saved for chocolate or dessert after because I still wanted to emotionally eat. hundred percent. I cannot even tell you like, yes, yes, exactly that years of my life. Exactly like that. Yes. You know what's so good about that is we realize we're like, I'm not the only one who didn't, didn't really follow the spirit. Like you said. Yeah. And you, you know that it's not right, but I'm like, you you don't want to actually give that part up. So I would do that. I'd get to whatever goal weight I set, which is used, you know, usually it was 10 pounds below my normal weight. Uh, as soon as I hit that, I'd stop, gain it back. And that was sort of a cycle that repeated over the years. I'd lose weight for my wedding, gain it back, and repeat. And I also had a belief that the only way I would ever be thin was if I worked out intensely, like 
exercise intensely, like a CrossFit or something that I would do daily. And since I didn't have time to do that in my life and residency and, and attending life, I was like, I'm just never going to be thin. Like that was, or, or, you know, a normal weight even. I think that's actually pretty common though. Don't you think for people who, who have an athletic background, right? Because you were like, well, when I swam a lot, I didn't have a weight problem. So it seems to me like the way that I can compensate for my overeating is, you know, the, the only way to compensate is to exercise a lot. And it's such a common story. Like maybe even in early on in your education, you can keep up that intensity. And then there just comes a point where for any number of reasons, it's just not possible anymore. And then you, you know, it's, it's like, rather than going like, oh, well, what else could I try? We just go like, oh, I guess it's just not possible for me to not be overweight. And it gives you an excuse or an out, right? Because you know that you don't have the time to devote to that. So you don't even really try other things. Exactly. Like you probably could find time to do some exercise, right? I know I could have, but it's like so much easier to just believe your story that you're like, you're too tired and working too much. And what you really should be doing is like reading textbooks and studying on your patients instead of, you know, whatever going yeah, or even sleeping or like relaxing or whatever else right like I didn't want to I don't like intense exercise why would I want to do that <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so it sort of continued in that pattern until I got pregnant with my daughter and I went from 285 pounds and I gained 50 plus pounds I stopped I stopped measuring at the end when I thought it looked pretty good and I thought things were okay until after she was born, there was actually a picture a couple days postpartum with me and my family. And that picture was like the moment because I looked at it and I was like, that person is not who I want to be. That does not reflect what I feel on the inside. I have to do something about this. And within like 24, 48 hours, I actually saw a recommendation for your podcast on a physician mom's group. And I was like, I can do a podcast. No problem. And so I started listening to you. So this was April 2018. And the first couple of podcasts where you talked about, you know, you'd always had broad shoulders, you'd always been larger. That totally resonated with me because I really had a belief that like, you know, 180 was like my set weight. I would never be able to get to normal BMI. And then when you talked about like goal weight, like mid BMI, I was like, that is impossible. <laughs> right. That's <just> impossible. <laughs> But why not try like all the other things? And so I started incorporating that. And probably the biggest was just no snacking, discreet meals. I tried to food journal. I wasn't successful. But just by following a lot of your recommendations, I lost 75 pounds in a year. Amazing. So I just want to say, right, you didn't join the program. You're just listening to the podcast and applying what you heard and you lost 75 pounds in a year. That's incredible. <laughs> I just want to say that is amazing. <laughs> People will often say like, do you think I could really lose weight? Just listening to the podcast. I'm like, yes, yes, you can. We have a lot of people who tell us what they do. And 75 pounds, no matter what you do in a year is a lot of weight. That's incredible. Yeah, and like, I like all I did and I didn't do the exercise. That was the, the most liberating thing when you were like, you don't have to exercise. Like I won't, but I would go and walk, you know, with my infant daughter in the stroller and just listen to the podcast and, and figure out what I could incorporate. And I did things in steps. I did things in baby steps and was able to make those changes. And I maintained that weight plus or minus, well, mostly plus, but probably about 10, 15 pounds until I got pregnant with my son in 2020. Okay. 
Can I just pause for one second really quick too? Cause I just want to mention one other thing you said, you know, you kind of took it in steps and added things one, you know, at a time. I just want to just mention how important that is because when we sign up for a big program, right. They're like, you have to do all these things, you know, the Weight Watchers, like, these are all the points and these are like, there's all these rules and you're trying to figure it out. And it's just like, it really is kind of all encompassing. And by taking it step by step like that, what you did was you really just met yourself where you were, you know, like, what can I, what step can I take today that I can actually commit to doing And then do it consistently. And, you know, so then you do that until that's just this thing that you do, like maybe not snacking. And then, you know, and then like, what's the next thing that I can add on? And so that isn't going to be probably like the fastest way to lose weight, although you still lost weight, a lot of weight, still pretty fast. But, you know, for a lot of people, they're like, oh, but I just want it gone. Like, well, okay, but if you're going to gain it all back again, that really you're, you're at a net positive or at least at a net, you know, neutral zero rather than like, okay, I took my time and then it was actually permanent and actually stayed off. So anyway, I just want to point out that I think that's such a great way of looking at it. It's like, what can I actually agree to do with myself? Not, not trying to please some like Weight Watchers leader or, you know, the doctor who's going to be weighing me or whoever it is that you feel accountable to, but actually doing it for yourself. And I just think that's so great. Yeah. And I think it also allows you to do small steps to sort of experiment with yourself. Because I noticed like, if I don't snack, that was a huge difference for me and some things I could incorporate and some things I didn't so much. And what actually made a difference in one, how I felt, but two, what my weight was. So it, it gives you that like experiment too, so that you know what works for you. Yes. I agree with that, right? If you do 10 things and you lose weight, you're like, do I have to keep doing all the 10 things? You know, if you had, you've been exercising really intensely too, you'd be like, see if I can't keep up this exercise, it's all going to go to hell. <laughs> which is not necessarily true. It doesn't have to be that way. Okay. So you, so you had the, or got pregnant then in 2020. Yep. And I gained weight quite rapidly with him, which now in retrospect is just what I do when I'm pregnant. Can and I just ask, I is that made... because you're overeating because you're pregnant no. or no, just no. like you just are, you're, that's what your body likes to do. Okay. That was just my body. My body okay. is like, it doesn't <laughs> okay. matter what you're eating. You're just going to gain weight. I had made a deal with myself that after I was done having children, and then at that point, if I wanted to, I would join your program because I was going to lose the weight for the last time. And that was going to be it. It was probably a year ago now that I had gained, you know, 30 pounds with him. I ended up gaining 40 to 50 with him as well. And I was freaking out. And so I was like, you know what? I don't know if I can do it again. Even though I've done all these habits, I've done it before. It wasn't easy. Like there was a lot of effort there. So I went to one of your training calls and with no intent of joining, actually. I had <laughs> planned for August 2021, but I listened and I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to do May. And I actually remember asking you the question, like, do you think I'm crazy to do this with a newborn? And you were like, no, it's totally what you think. And I was like, okay, I think I can do it. I told my husband, this is what I'm doing. And I signed up the next day. And it was just so nice to have that plan in place. Like, this is what I'm going to do. Sometimes it's nice to have that sort of support of a program, right? Like, but a program that meets you where you're at, right? I was just saying like some programs have you do like a million things at once. Like I always feel like we we don't really ask you to do very much. And if you can't even do what we ask you to do, then pick one of those things and start doing it. And then we'll just keep working with you on that. Did you, what, what was it that, that really kind of put you over the edge though? Was it knowing that there was still more work to do on your brain? It was a combination of things. So one, I was worried that I wouldn't, like I put all this effort in and all this work into losing weight before. And I was worried, what if I can't? Like, what if I can't like do, do it again? again? Like lose it again after the yeah. thing I made. Yeah. Okay. So there mm-hmm. there was like fear that I wouldn't do it again. I think the bigger thing though, is it hadn't been necessarily easy in terms of the thought work. So I 
still felt like if I was going to celebrate, I wanted to celebrate with food. If I was going to reward, I wanted to reward with food. And I still had so much food chatter and I wanted that to improve. So those were the, those are my goals for the program. Okay. Amazing. And just for anybody who might be new, they're like, what, what is food chatter? Like what that it means is just like the constant commentary in your brain about like, what are you going to eat next? What you, your thoughts are about like what you just ate, you know, where are you going to eat this weekend? Like, you know, you're at a meeting, there's like, you know, whatever, some snacks on the table. Like, is anyone going to eat one? Is it weird if I'm the first one to take one? Maybe I can just grab one on the way out if no one takes any, you know, like just constant thinking chatter, truly just like your brain on overdrive, really, I mean, overemphasizing the importance of food. To me, brain chatter is uh, around food is over desire. And yeah, something that we work on all the time. So, okay, brilliant. Okay, so you come into the program and I know one part of the program that really helped you was planning your food. And I would love to hear more about that because a lot of people are resistant to that, including me. So I'd love to hear your experience of that. Well, and including me, honestly, because, you know, in the three years that I've been listening to your podcast, like I had tried it on and off many times and I'd stick with it for like two days and that was it. And this time I was like, you know what, I'm going to do it and I'm going to commit to it. And I, it was actually an identity change because so I am a person who, who plans my food the night before and who sticks to it. And so doing that and really thinking what the next day would be, what I would want to eat what I had, you know, how busy, how tired I would be and following it. And, you know, I remember waking up, you know, cause I had a new baby during the program being tired and being like, you know what, I could really reward myself because of how tired I am. And nope, that's not what my food journal said. I'm just going to eat what I plan. And that got to be a habit and a backup. And I think that that's really what made things so much easier for me. Totally. Totally. And it really, I think, you know, it's just like going to the gym for the first time when you haven't been there for, you know, two years or something where you're like dreading it and you're like, Oh, you know, and like, you're like, oh, I don't really want to follow it, but then you do follow it. At the end of the day, you're just like, you feel so good, right? You don't feel like heavy. Your body feels good. You're probably sleeping better at night. It's like, you're always happy that you did it when you've done it. And you do that enough times then what a lot of people find is if they do eat off plan, they're like, I just literally do not feel good. Like my life is better. My experience of living in my body is better when I follow my plan. And so that helps to build up that belief that, you know, this is a worthwhile process, which I would love for you to just talk about how long it takes you to plan your food. Cause I think sometimes we think that it's like going to be, you know, 45 minutes or something. It probably takes me 30 seconds. Like, because I, I'm also one of those people who can, I can eat the same breakfast and lunch every day, pretty much. But So it is a very quick, like, I'm going to eat this, this lunch is a salad with whatever. And then, and if I don't know, like, if I truly do not know what I'm going to have for supper, because I'm going to someone's house or something, then I'm like, I'm going to have what they serve. That's on my plan. And I, I'll decide ahead if I'm going to have dessert or not. Like, I actually make all that plan. And the other thing for food journaling that really does that it does is it breaks the habit of emotionally eating because it doesn't matter what emotions I'm going to have that day. I plan my food. And so it gets you into habit of not linking the two. A hundred percent. Yeah, that is, that's exactly what it does. Right. So then you, if you're like, I don't know why I'm eating all this stuff, we'll make a plan where you're not eating those things and then see what actually comes up. And then you realize, Oh, you know what? Like 
I'm eating because this is actually going on for me. And I do just want to mention that for some people, they're like, yeah, but I don't know what to do with that once I know. Like, okay, so that I'm having whatever emotions, I don't know what to do with that. I think that's something that can be so beneficial about being in a coaching program is, I mean, that's exactly what we do is help you to work through those emotions, come up, you know, like with tools, practice it, you know, help you to work through that so that you do know what to do and you don't need to use food anymore. But it's like breaking that connection totally. So another thing that I know that you did was creating what you call a me plan. And I would love for you to tell us more about that. I think that's so fun. Yeah. So that was sort of, that was an extension of the food plan. So I would take into consideration my day and things like if I knew it was going to be a particularly stressful day, how could I incorporate something that I wanted to do, like go for a walk? And so I would make sure that I did that. I would plan any exercise because I did start exercising towards the end. Anything I wanted to do that. If I am going to be out and about and I don't think I can have, you know, a regular sit down lunch, how can I plan to incorporate all of that so that I'm sort of taking my whole day. So it's not, I, I don't have any excuses not to follow my plan or to be really stressed out. Yeah. I love that because, and and I, you know, it's one of those things where I'm like, you know, maybe that's not the right thing for everybody, but what I love about it is like, so often we end up, I mean, I know for myself, like I tend to be like this sort of eternal optimist in the sense that I'm like, that won't be a problem. Like what could go wrong? It'll be fine. I'll be fine. And then the day happens and everything sort of feel, you know, if it falls apart, I'm just like, Oh, it back in the day. Right. I'd make that mean something is wrong with me. Right. Versus, Oh, I just didn't create a support system, like a safety net for myself. And just thinking ahead can make it so that you're like, yeah, you know, you know, what really helps me is if I get outside, get some fresh air and go take a walk. So even if I'm tired, even if I don't feel like it, I'm going to do that. Cause I know that's going to help me again, making those decisions in advance rather than making decisions from the moment based on, you know, what your primitive brain is telling you, which is always like, go hide in a hole, you know, climb in bed, <laughs> throw the covers over your, over your head and, you know, and eat something. Right. Well, and I plan things that I enjoy. So I enjoy going for a walk and listening to whatever podcast, you know, so that it's some enjoyment in my day and something to look forward to. Yeah. I love that. Love that. So, so good. So what happened? I mean, I'm pretty sure that you didn't follow your plan perfectly every single day. (laughs) So how did you approach that? Yeah. And I still don't. So that's one thing that I think is important for people to know, just because you lose your weight or in maintenance does not mean that like everything's sick. So there is still often that I don't follow my plan. I think the big thing that shifted is instead of trying to have that negative self-talk to get the the food off so that you're like, you know, you'll only be acceptable once you lose the weight or like this, this whole, this whole process is a punishment. I realized that one of the things I would do is when I would go off plan, I'd have shame about going off plan and then I'd overeat to deal with the shame. And that's why then one overeat at a night out or something would be to like days or weeks off plan before because it was just that same cycle. So now if I overeat at a dinner or something off plan, I just notice, okay, whatever. And then next meal I start over. And so I don't have that like same spiral. I don't make it mean anything about me. I'm not broken. Like it's okay. It's just like food in my mouth. It's fine. And it also from having so much data, like weighing myself every day, I can see that like overeating one meal doesn't really matter. 
Like it doesn't. Right. So it doesn't. It's okay. Just keep going. Right. And, you know, overeating for two weeks straight does though, right? Because of the shame spiral. And what you're really describing is, you know, what I feel like I talk about like ad nauseum, which is like, you cannot hate yourself thin. You know, even if you treated yourself very negatively and had very negative self-talk, you know, maybe throughout your training and you really believe that the reason you have the success that you have is because of that negative self-talk. What you have to remember is that you still always had food and maybe alcohol to help you through that when you were treating yourself so poorly. So what we're asking you to now do is figure out a different way to motivate yourself where you don't do that. So then you don't need the food and it can just feel different. But once you realize how much better it feels, first of all, it feels better. And realizing that when you feel better, you don't feel driven to go eat everything in the pantry like you start to see, oh, there is another way. And this is that piece that I want, right? Like, yeah, okay. I ate that thing. Who cares? Chewed it up and swallowed it. What's the next thing going to be moving on? Maybe learning from it, especially in the beginning. If it's like, oh, okay, that was interesting. I wonder why that happened. Rather than being perfectionistic about it, like I have to do it perfectly or I won't be able to have success. Realizing no, you can still have success. So yeah, just like you said, even at maintenance, you may still overeat at times. It's just a question of, does that turn into a spiral? Or do you get yourself right back on track again? And you know, I always think of it as like, okay, well, that was interesting. What was the emotion that was going on? You know, what was I unwilling to feel? And not them beating yourself up because you weren't willing to feel it, but just recognizing like, okay, XYZ was going on for me. That's good to know. Maybe I'm going to work through that. Maybe I'll just be on the alert for that the next time something like this happens. Maybe I'll just try a different technique or a different strategy for myself next time. Amazing. That is still moving you forward instead of like, see, I knew it wasn't going to work, you know? Totally. And I gave myself plenty of opportunities to practice. So like I booked, I mean, we're in COVID time, so it was harder, but like I would book like a sort of dinner party, like weekly for like a month so that I could practice every week. And for example, I realized that I can't have food on the table just sitting out after we're done eating. It needs to be cleared because otherwise I'll keep picking at it. And so things like that, so that I could develop a plan and an approach each time. Yeah, totally. I, I love it. I think it's just, you, you have to figure out your way of doing it, you know, where you can have people in your home and like, not feel like you're, you know, like a crazy person or obsessed with the food. Like you can actually enjoy the people who are there. And honestly, the other people who are there are probably happy that you're taking the food away when everyone's done. Right. Cause they're, everybody's got that, you know, like before you know it, you're like having, you know, fourths and you know, you don't need fourths, <laughs> you know, <laughs> So how do you handle when you have urges? Like, you know, are there certain emotions that you find that foods, your brain is still kind of offering food as the solution? Yeah, my brain still tends to offer as a reward. So whenever I've, whenever I've accomplished something or if I've been really stressed for a while, I then like that, that task is finished, almost immediately my brain offers food. And so I'm not always able to avoid that, but I notice it. So one, I know that it's probably going to come. Acknowledging that that's normal. That's what my brain's always done. There's nothing wrong with me that that's what it still offers. And it probably will continue to offer that, you know, for many more years. That's okay. So preparing for it. And then if I do start to, you know, I do head to the pantry or something and start to eat. One of the phrases that I really like is you can stop at any time. So like if I take a couple tips, it doesn't mean that I have to eat the whole bag. It just means like, okay, I eat that much. I can stop now. That's okay. And that's what I do. And then I try and think of what's driving it. Like, what is the emotion? And then I do that like feeling, you know, I feel my emotions. So I name it. I feel it. I let it be there. 
the first time experiencing like emotional hunger was quite like life changing for me to realize what that felt like in my body and what it, how it felt different from hunger so that I could also acknowledge that and I can decide if I really need to eat or not. So. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I just want to make sure we don't gloss over that. Like the difference between physical hunger and emotional hunger, it can be hard at face value. If you're not new, if you're still new to this process, like it, it, you're just like, I don't know. I just feel hungry. But when you start to really pay attention, they are different. And once you understand how they feel different, you can then check in with yourself. Like which hunger is this? easily identify which one it is and then recognize like, oh, okay, this is the the kind where, you know, food actually solves it, or this is the kind where there's something else that's going on. I absolutely love what you're saying. You can always stop hundred percent. That was something that made a big difference for me as well, because it used to just kind of be like, well, once I got rolling, you know, either till the thing was gone or, you know, whatever, I felt a certain level of overfulness sickness, <laughs> grossness, whatever it was like, that was the stopping point. It was just like, okay, yeah, that just happened. And I can just put it down now. And I think when you also are on any kind of restrictive diet and you start eating like that, you also have the scarcity of like, this is my chance to eat these things. So you are much more likely to eat all the things versus like, I get to decide what I eat. It is my plan. And I can plan for this every day if I want it. So I don't need to feel like this is my chance. Like this is the the last time I can have this. And I think that that also really prevents that yo-yoing, you know, it's just food and there's going to be more tomorrow. And I think for those of us who have been on, I mean, you know, I, I think when I was on Weight Watchers, I don't know that I ever would have said that I felt restricted, but I was, <laughs> you know what I mean? I do think I felt that way. It felt very like, like controlled and like there were rules and I had to follow them and, and, you know, it, it just did not feel like any kind of freedom. And so then we start bringing that kind of control into our regular eating. Even if we're not following the plan, we're like, but this is my chance to have all these amazing things. And we wonder why we gain the weight back. And then some. Yeah. And I remember panicking. Like if I had to go somewhere that like to a restaurant that didn't have points values assigned, like I just, I flipped out. Like I could not. It was so it hard, right? I know. It was so hard because then I would eat off plan and that would be it. Like that's, it took so little to just like, mm-hmm. to just set me off course. Right. Exactly. hundred percent. Yes, yes, yes. So another thing that you, you mentioned that I love this because I never thought about this. Way. I was like, yes, exactly. You said my brain also tells me that I want to sleep in every morning when my alarm goes off and I have no drama around that thought. And I was like, that is so true. I never, ever want to get up in the morning, but I still do. So like when our brains offer us food, why do we have to be like, shoot, why is it still saying that food is the right thing? Like, it doesn't matter. It's okay. No, I like, I totally thought I was broken. Like, I'm like, why, you know, I've come this far for the, this long. Why is it still doing this? And then when I like put the connection there, I'm like, I never want to get up. Like, I never want to get up when my alarm goes off unless it's a vacation day. Like, but I never make that mean anything about that myself. I don't make it mean that I'm lazy or like whatever. So I applied that to my, my thoughts about food. Whenever it offers food, I'm like, yeah, but we're not doing that. That's okay. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. It's sometimes we just need that little perspective shift. 
right? Because I think it is, well, you know, and food and weight and everything, it's like even just societal pressures. And there's just from an early age of like, you know, making it mean something's wrong with us. And are we like a good person and valuable? It, it all depends on how thin we are versus how we feel when we wake up. We probably have less intense, you know, um, self-loathing around that. Although I think some people probably can, where they're like, oh, I need to go to bed earlier or whatever. But at the same time, when we wake up and we're still tired, we're just like, yeah, that's what happens a lot of the time. And that's okay. I can still just get up. Yeah. I love that. So how did you figure out how to celebrate and relax without food? Because that is a big challenge for a lot of people. Still working on it, to be honest, but I just really de-emphasized the food. So I tried to think about what else I liked about, you know, for example, the holidays. So is it, is it being with people? Is it the decorations? Like, what do I enjoy? that is not the food. And so I try and emphasize that and de-emphasize the food. In terms of rewarding myself, like if I, you know, you accomplish something or or whatever, I try to think of, that, of other things that I enjoy in my life and, and doing them. So again, do I go for a walk? Do I get to watch a crappy show? Like a book? Like whatever I enjoy and and trying to swap it out. And it's it's hard when you have, like I definitely growing up like if you got A's or you did well you got a treat like a food treat and so it's it's trying to de-emphasize that right and replace it well and I think also part of it is like there's that little you know little girl within us that little child within us who wants to be recognized for the good things she did, whether it was just getting through a hard day or like saving someone's life sometimes, you know, like there's been times my, I mean, I don't know how often I really saved someone's life, but there's times my husband has come home as an ear, nose and throat doctor. And he's just like, well, I just saved someone's life. And it's just like, we should never be downplaying that and then go, you know, grabbing the chocolate. Like that's amazing. And it's okay to let yourself practice feeling that emotion of, you know, joy, excitement, pride, you know, just knowing that you did a really good thing or you did a really hard thing and you got through it and just letting yourself be with that and offering yourself those words that you want to hear so that you're not asking food then to be, you know, kind of rewarding you or patting you on the back. And that's building up that relationship for your, with yourself going, you know, I think we, it's sometimes we kind of want to think that we can like rise above that, or that's just not really that important to us. But all of us like to be acknowledged for what we do, and we can offer that to ourselves, you know, and it can be like while you're on a walk or can literally just be like, I'm just going to sit here for a minute and just let myself bask in my greatness and how good I am. And I know some people are probably like laughing out loud as I say that, but seriously, you can do that and you get that same feeling or maybe even a better feeling than if you're eating food. Right. Cause there's no downside to it after. Exactly. Exactly. And the only thing it does is it builds up your relationship with yourself. And that's really what we as adults get to do is we get to offer ourselves, you know, what we always wanted to hear as children, what we often do, you know, as children, we may or may not get, you know, the responses the way we want them. And then what we often do then as adults, is we just carry on the same patterning or we're still looking for outside approval. And, you know, we want other people to acknowledge. I mean, we coach on this all the time in the program, right? Like I did this thing or, you know, had this great accomplishment. Like, why is nobody really noticing it? Or at least not noticing it in the way that I would like them to. And that's, again, that's, 
and, and no judgment at all, but that's just more of that, that childlike part of us that wants that nurturing, wants to be given a huge hug and told that she's important and she's amazing. And you know, that someone's proud of her and we can offer that to ourselves. It's actually very, very healing so that we aren't in such a, like a codependent trying to, you know, people please type of a situation. That's a way that we can start to release that dependence that so many of us have on, on others. We'll see somewhere where that comes up is when you hit your goal weight, because the only one who really cares about it is you. And I know, I know that it's like, you know, it doesn't really matter. Like a pound of difference doesn't matter, but I still secretly had this like wish that all of a sudden confetti would come down from <laughs> the like the ceiling and like balloons. But like one day I hit that and it doesn't. So I'm super happy, but like the world goes on. And I think that's why maintenance is so hard because you hit it. It's this huge goal that you set for yourself and like the world keeps going. Exactly. And it's just like years later, no one ever says anything about your weight. You know, you have to be offering it to yourself because you will not get it from someone else. So I know that hobbies were important for you in terms of like just having some other ways to get some enjoyment and pleasure out of your life. I think this is a huge issue for so many doctors in particular, because we basically give up everything that we like to do for fun over the course of our, you know, training. And then, you know, especially if you throw some kids into the mix or, you know, if somebody has a lot of other, you know, obligations or, you know, caretaking or things like that, it's easy to kind of basically have food be your hobby. And because you have to eat anyway, right? So it's like easy for that to happen. And sometimes we have to reconnect with like, what do we actually like to do? So I'd love to hear more about your process of exploring that. Yeah. So I think of all of the things in the program, that was actually the hardest for me. And I was, I was telling my husband, like when I came up, I was super resistant to it. I'm like, I don't have hobbies. I don't have interests. Like what is my hobby? Like, I don't like anything. I went through the list and I was like, no, don't like that. Don't like that. Don't like that. So but I was like, you know what? I'm going to figure this out because it's in there for a reason. I would like to have hobbies. So I put out like, what do I enjoy doing? Even if it's like, what sort of things do I enjoy doing? Do I want to do something physical? Do I not? How much time is it going to take? How much money, like how much money do I want to put into it? So I sort of put a list of things that I would enjoy and put a list of things that I already enjoy doing. And I decided, you know what? I want to do something physical because I haven't been exercising. I'd like to try to do that. I'm competitive. And so I bought a Peloton and I was like, and now I'm part of the Peloton cult. I'm not, not endorsing or I'm not paid by Peloton, but like, I really enjoy it. My husband got into it. So now we have a hobby that the two of us talk about Come those weird Peloton people. It gives badges um, and you can argue whether or not that's good, but like it, it says everything that I enjoy in it, including like the music and that I can do as hard as, or as much or as little exercise as I want to. So. Awesome. I think that's been a huge part of the draw of the Peloton for me as well has been like great music. I've always loved music. Um, you know, moving your body just is, it has never become more obvious to me than over the last several years, how much moving my body improves my mental outlook. Like I am just a happier more grounded person when I have moved my body. Like I know this to be a fact. So not about like trying to you know, not even with any like necessarily like health goals in the sense of like being stronger or affecting my weight at all, or even, you know, better cardiovascular fitness or anything like that. Just literally because my body does better when, you know, and my brain does better when I move. And, you know, all the instructors are like fun and they're inspiring and some of them are funny. And so, you know, there's different, you kind of like find your people that you really 
you really enjoy and you get to like challenge yourself in a way that you want to, if you want to, when you want to, it is, I think that's, that is, uh, they've really kind of hit that sweet spot for people who are, you know, who are busy and, you know, you can do it anytime you want to. So certainly not like a Peloton ad here, but I am a fan as well. <laughs> I'm, I made it, I didn't really try it before I got it. So I made a decision. I was going to love it no matter what. Yeah. Like, so even when I couldn't even clip in the first time, clip in or clip out. And I was like, what have I done? I was like, I'm <laughs> going to love this. Like, it, <laughs> I'm going to become this. Right, right, right. Yeah, that I think that is that is is so good. And of course, like the health benefits for you over the long run, right? We know that exercise is so good for the body for so many reasons. You know, weight loss just doesn't happen to be one of them, but it also does it does actually help with weight maintenance. So even an extra benefit. But I kind of I don't think about any of that when I'm deciding to exercise though. I'm just like, you know, what is my body feeling like today? Like, do I want to do extra stretching? Do I really feel like I have the energy to push myself or not? You know, like it's it it's I feel like you get all of those added benefits just like for showing up for yourself. It's like that's that's just like a really fun extra that isn't even factoring into whether I'm doing it or not. That, and that's just what seems to work well for me. Because I feel like that, at least for me, I spent so many years doing things because they were supposedly healthy. You know, like, I mean, I was vegan for five years. I mean, all the things that are like, you should eat this and don't eat that. And this is healthy and that's not healthy. And it just, it, it doesn't play well with my brain. So I don't like to think about things in that framework because it starts feeling like weirdly pressury. And then like, what's the latest research? And now this one's saying that that's maybe not as healthy. So I'm like, you know what, <laughs> what feels good to me? And that's, what's going to be best for me and my body. And I just can leave the rest. All right. So I always like to ask just, you know, in case anybody is um, listening to this and going, you know, like, I don't know, like maybe that sounds really great. Cause actually how much weight have you lost? Like total? I lost 90 pounds, 90 pounds, nine zero. Yeah. Nine zero. Incredible. <laughs> that is so good. Congratulations. That's amazing. Not because right. Not because thinner is better, but because you were wanting to be in a different body and having freedom run food. And that's the result. My why when I started was I wanted my inside to match my outside. Like I wanted to see what I thought I looked like inside. And so I I reached my midpoint BMI goal. And I'm actually a little bit under because that's where my body just settled out, which I thought was impossible at the beginning. Right. And it turns out wasn't. <laughs> That's just, it's so great though, right? Like I love it when we think we, we think the truth is just a fact and it really is just our belief that limits us. And and I had that too. Like I literally thought there was no possible way that I could ever, ever weigh less than what my Weight Watchers goal weight was. Like, I just was like, no, I mean, I'd be like emaciated or whatever I thought, you know, like I'd be a sack of bones or whatever ridiculous thing. So anyway, though, anybody, so for somebody who's listening, who's just kind of like, I don't know, maybe I'm interested. I'm kind of curious. What would you tell them about the weight loss reductors only program? So I think the the best way to describe it is you can do it on, like I was able to do it on my own, but what it felt like was a hike on like fairly steep incline, a narrow path with a like sharp cliff beside it, where I had to spend all of my mental energy just like going forward and making sure I didn't fall. And there was always fear involved. So I could do it, but it, it was difficult. After going through the weight loss for doctors only, it feels like I'm walking on a path in a park, like a nice manicured path. And there's still effort. Like I still actually have to walk and do it, but now I don't have that fear. I'm not wasting all my mental energy on where my feet are going. 
I can enjoy the surroundings around me. And if I trip on a pebble or root or something, it's really easy to get back up. And so that's the difference that Waldo really gave me. I love that metaphor. <laughs> I love that. It's like, you're still doing the same thing really overall, but it's just like the experience of it can be so much better. Yeah. Like when people ask all the time, like, can you do it by yourself? I'm like, yeah, you can, but there's also a reason why, like five years into this, I still hire coaches to help me because like, it's also really helpful to have someone else on your brain. You know what I mean? Or you're just like, I'm a mess today and have someone help you to work through that. You know, I mean, can you like read medical textbooks and be your own doctor? Like, I mean, yes, theoretically, yeah, you can, you know, or like, <laughs> we're like, stop doing that. Don't read WebMD anymore. <laughs> but you can do a lot on your own, but then you want to, you know, if you can get some expertise from someone who has, you know, guided tons and tons of people through this, it just makes it so much easier. And I think it just takes the pressure off of ourselves to have to always know the answer. You know, sometimes it's like nice to just be like, I'm just here to do what I'm essentially kind of told to do. You know, obviously you're still working with someone and it's still, you know, personalized and everything, but it's not just like, sometimes I feel like when you're on your own, you start feeling like very isolated and alone. And when you're not sure what to do, you don't know who to ask and it starts getting confusing. So it's just nice to develop those skills. And the, the group aspect of it, I mean, you realize that so many other people think exactly the same way you do. And then having other people say what worked for them or thoughts that helped them really sort of pulls you through. Yeah. And you can borrow that from them. Like it's totally. Awesome. Totally. And I agree with that. You know, there's times when you're just like maybe having a lull or like your motivation isn't quite there. And then you see someone else who's doing super well and you're just like, okay, I, I can do this, you know, rather than if you're on your own, it's so easy to just be like, I don't have time for this right now. Or, you know, I have a newborn, like you would have had very uh, good reasons to, to say, you know, I'm taking a break. I'll wait till the baby's one or whatever it is, you know, and then it's like, how's your baby? Oh, like eight. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, Andrea, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate so much you sharing your experience. And I just want to congratulate you for all the hard work you've done. It's amazing. And I'm just so excited for you. Well, thanks again for having me. Ready to start making progress on your weight loss goals? For lots of free help, go to katrinaubellmd.com and click on free resources.